and and the recording hath started. All right, uh, mention and dispatches. episode to go after this one here in season eight uh, but for tonight our buddy rocky is back ian how are you tonight hey everyone hello hello hey and uh i i love that we can just refer to you as rocky everywhere and everybody knows exactly who we're talking about just from from rocky mountain navy having gotten shortened that uh you know tuesday newsday <laughs> rocky's doing this and everybody knows exactly what what we're, what we're talking about it's great um yes it is thank you yeah uh, also with us tonight uh our buddy cyrano is here jim how are you I, honest to God, I, I thought his name was Rocky. I, I don't know as I had seen the name Ian before. <laughs> Pleasure to be with you both. Awesome. I, I will say, Jim, you, you got a bit of love today during some of the Connections Online sessions. As we are recording this, Connections Online week is still going on. And and part of the keynote today was sort of who the heck are the Armchair Dragoons and what are these guys all about? And so we we were pimping Saturday Night Fights a little bit and, and some of the online Kriegspiels and the other games that you do if folks wanted to take a chance on joining in and pop in the forums and throw their hat in the ring. Uh, but also during some of the follow-on chatter and like some of the the happy hour social stuff as well as just some some conversations and chatter between some of the folks between sessions uh, a couple of folks were asking sort of how did you end up you know in in this community as a whole oh well i was hanging out with the dragoons because i'd seen some of jim's videos and now i'm playing in some of the games on occasion and uh you know saw the information about connections online through the dragoons and here i am and so it was your videos that brought them into the community in the first place oh that's 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 great to hear it's a real pleasure whenever you know when viewers uh become participants we we've certainly had a few and uh i just think of one gentleman achilles how you doing uh achilles came in that way and we're gonna have deep six come in so no that's that's always awesome to hear thanks for that i'm not sure if tommy's actually jumped into any of the games on any of the streaming games i know he's a regular viewer on saturday night but he's also come into the community that way where he started out watching your stuff and then kind of hanging out at the site also so well he's crazy though so you know well there's that yeah um so cool tonight for our topic we're going to talk about crowdfunding pre-orders kickstarters p500s whatever various form of uh, sort of voting with your wallet goes on before the game ever actually gets produced and obviously there's been some challenges with some crowdfunding campaigns over the years there have been some great success successes with crowdfunding campaigns over the years. One of the things that I get a kick out of is a lot of people talking about crowdfunding, like Kickstarter invented all this in 2010. And it's like, you know, <laughs> war gamers were doing P500 stuff back in like 95. Like this isn't new. <laughs> uh, it might be new to you, but that doesn't mean we weren't doing it way back when. Um, so so that that's always a, been a bit of a chuckle for me. But looking back over each of your personal sort of P500 crowdfunding uh, pre-order history. Uh, is there one particular pre-order or crowdfunded campaign that sticks out in your mind as, wow, I got a great deal out of that. That was fantastic. I'm so glad I jumped on that. That was a great pre-order. Uh, I, I really got my money's worth or that turned out to be a fantastic game or really helped launch a great new company or something along those lines. So Ian, if you think about some great personal success story for you, in, in the crowdfunding realm? Is there something that jumps out for you? Well, I'll, I'll say uh, one very recent one is, one, it's at the front of the mind, but two, it, it just, it really was so impressive, was uh, uh, Jim Deeds, Deeds Foundation. He's run a, a couple of Kickstarters, and uh, it wasn't a war game. It was a, it was a family game, Supercharged, okay. but he, it delivered, even even in the middle of this whole pandemic, um, I think it was three weeks late, you know, late, three weeks past the original pledge time. But uh, we had like daily updates. He had everything. We knew exactly, everybody knew exactly where the, where the games were, where it was happening, where all the way back in the process from the beginning the whole development process um, and, and getting it, the, the shipping challenges and everything. Um, it worked and it worked mostly because there was some awesome, awesome communications. And I think as we talk a little bit on, the ones that tend to fail are the ones that 
probably have the worst communications. Um, <laughs> but this one was great. And, and, and you know, I was sitting there going, it arrives. I looked down. I'm like, wow, that's three weeks late. That's impressive. But I think it never felt late because um, he was always in, Jim was always, always talking to us and always talking and, and letting us know what was going on. And even if it had been a year late, if he had talked like that, I don't think I would have mind. Not, yeah. not one bit. Yeah. I, I've had some stuff show up late with constant communication from the creators. And, and I think you're right. I think as long as it is being communicated as to what's the status, why is it late, what's going on, I think people are tend to be fairly tolerant of it, uh, especially with folks sort of understanding what's going on with shipping around the world right now, that, that people have a little greater tolerance for that than they might have five years ago. I think even five years ago, people are, are kept in the loop. They're they're more forgiving of things, I, I think, in general. So, um, it's, it's a matter of forgiveness. It's also a matter of understanding. I think I think uh, if you've been playing this game for a while, um, like you said, the, us war gamers have been around for a while, um, you, you the, the original funding campaign was, hey, I've got an idea. Um, you know, is this really interesting to you? Okay, I'll go off and I'll, I'll run with it and, and, and develop it. And so there was a, an accepted timeline uh, extended timeline in there and uh, I'm not so sure that today's world really is the same way I mean I, I try to be but I, I see a lot of these other folks you know you, what do you mean you're, it's going to be a whole year until this delivers why, why is it not ready right now um, <laughs> and we'll I'm sure we're going to touch on how crowdfunding has become less of a developmental engine and more of just a pre-order system yeah. um, but I'll, I'll probably leave those comments for Jim <laughs> so Jim anything jump out at you as oh my god that was a huge success uh, i was going over my list uh just sort of thinking about this topic and i want to say that i know we we will i i know we will talk about my rage kickstarter <laughs> because i i can't not but generally speaking my i've been very very satisfied but i have always promised that i would point this one out and again it's it may surprise me maybe it won't because quite frankly it's it's actually almost more of a war game than a role-playing game but it was the fantasy trip, uh, the old school role playing game reboot yep. back in 2019 by Steve Jackson Games. Yep. Um, stone cold, brilliant Kickstarter. Not only was I satisfied with the product I got, uh, it was exactly what I wanted. The add-ons that it gave you were exactly the add-ons I wanted. I can't speak to the market. I can speak to what I wanted. The more wasn't junk. I'm looking at you, Dan Viersen Games, and those stupid bullet dice. <laughs> you know, I, I it wasn't tchotchkes or junk I didn't want. It's what I wanted more of. It was content. It was cool cards. It was extra he mega hexes. But more, going to Ian's point, and God almighty, this is so critical, Every single step of the process was narrated to those who backed it. From here we are in art, here we are developing, here we are playtesting. Here, he, Steve Jackson sent a guy to China to go <laughs> into the factory and say, here it is. This is what it looks like. This is the box. This is how it's going to ship. And I think, I think it hit almost exactly. It was on time in the bargain wow. to to yeah. uh, March of 2019. And if you haven't seen it, it's a, if you, I was, of course, because I can't not do this, I guess. I got the, I want it all pledge. Of course. And did. it was great. It, it was satisfying in the extreme. I still love it. I still play it. Um, it was so front to back. A top quality operation, top quality product, top quality communication, uh, a great and and speaking of, you know, we can get certainly into the philosophy of why Kickstarter and all that stuff. But it was also a great reason for a Kickstarter it was Steve Jackson saying to the community, you're always telling me you want Melee back or Wizard back or the fantasy trip back. OK, show me you want it back and I'll give it to you. Yeah. You know, show me you want don't want it just for those who don't know. Uh, Mele, Mele and Wizard, the Fantasy Trip, were very early war games in the days after D&D. They originally came in little slip boxes, in little pouches almost. And, you know, he said, if you want that to be more than that, if you want a big production version, put your money where your mouth is. And when we did, he delivered it. And it was really, really good. I mean, he, he it got back to the tune of, I know it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was uh, 314000 just found the page. Yeah. And to, just to take it one final step, um, I backed in a way that got me some PDF products, including the bestiary for um, the fantasy trip. 
And when they update those PDFs online, which is easy to do, they send all backers a, a notice saying, hey, here's the whole new PDF. Download this. It's got the updates. No charge. That's that's pretty excellent. You know, and that's that is class front to back. They hired a particular manager for it who was an incredible communicator. Four stars. That was one of my most positive experiences. That's that's good to hear. Uh, that That's one of those ones that unfortunately caught me at a bad financing time. Uh, otherwise, I would have jumped all over that one. Uh, because that is that is definitely one that I think I, I would have loved, probably for the exact same reasons you did. Uh, the the nostalgia factor of having a cool game that I enjoyed back in hand, but then also the the production factor of the new pro, of the new product. I think. Uh, I think would have really spoke to me and and I wish I could have grabbed it. One of the ones that jumps out to me as a great success over, uh, over recent times, the world of war 85 reboot that lock and load did. Mm -hmm. Um, It it did show up a little later. There were some shipping issues getting it out of China. That was right before COVID hit. Uh, So it wasn't a COVID related shipping issue, but there were, there were some issues getting it shipped out of China. The, for folks that backed it at the appropriate level with the, the, the various stretch goals and add-ons and such, like if you got the, paperback novel they shipped the novels out to you a little early because those were printed stateside just like you go ahead and get those in your hands lock and load did a pretty good job of communicating to folks here's what's coming here's when it's going to be there here's here's where it's going to show up um i'm a little surprised that the post office didn't need a forklift to put that box on my (laughs) my front step thing was enormous uh there was like three boxes plus a bunch of other crap in the box and and i didn't go over like i didn't get the gold plated pledge with you know the ammo crate worth of counter trays after you know I, I just got the normal game and i think i pledged i'm looking it up yeah i got i pledged 70 bucks for it it was originally estimated that july which i think everybody thought was gonna be uh, pretty ambitious to get it back in july of 2019 i think most folks were expecting later in the fall showed up not long after christmas i think it showed up probably in january february of 2020 um probably closer to february uh you you definitely got your seventy dollars worth. There was no question where the where the money was spent on that product. It is gorgeous. It was full. It was stacked to the brim. Um, again, it was a monster box dropping this thing at your at your door. The big neoprene play mat to help organize the cards and the the extra pieces on the side really do enhance gameplay. And and it was it was a great product. Again. It, it got delivered behind schedule. Uh, Ian, going back to your point, folks were communicative of getting what what was going on with the campaign, and and it's it's a great product in a great production uh, for for what turned out to be a pretty good deal for you know seventy bucks. So I I was pretty happy with it all. An odd off the wall question. I'm just curious if either of you, Jim, have you ever backed a non-game Kickstarter? Is there something out there, you know, that you would want to talk about? Maybe just a regular book or artistic something or some sort of techie tool. Is is there a non-game Kickstarter or pre-order or something that you backed, whether it was through Kickstarter or Indiegogo or any of the others? No, uh, my wife does. My wife is a uh, fierce supporter of... uh, comic artists oh excellent and their work uh and i and not things that actually become comic books but uh but the the art she also uh endorses certain people some friends of hers that are uh that that are involved in making certain types of jewelry um, oh, okay. that, that do that so she has done those and that that tends to be uh what do i want to say like a closed loop it's almost like a, a fulfillment i won't call it a development process it's just like a p500 knowing that they've got the resources so she has done that but no, I am uh, RPGs and war games almost. Yeah, I'm just looking at my list exclusively. Yeah. Okay. Ian, for you? I, I've backed a couple of uh, techie gadgets. Um, some some companies when they were first kicking off, and now now they're all over the place. Um, some some gadgets for uh, like iPhones and iPads and things like that. Um, I, I don't do that much anymore. I think uh, uh, I did that years couple of years back when when kickstarter really was the hey i've got an idea yeah um throw some money my way to help me help me finish it and carry it through um and so but these days i tend to be not i've done it before i, I once while i do something but uh yeah i'm much much pickier nowadays than i was before before <laughs> i was like well that's really neat yeah throw up some money 
Um, now it's like, eh, I don't know. I was just looking through my list of, of Kickstarters. And so I, I haven't really done any sort of crowdfunding outside of like company pre-order stuff or Kickstarter. Uh, I, I don't know that I've used, I've never used Indiegogo or GameFound or any of the others. So it's either been a direct pre-order with the company or it's been through Kickstarter. And just looking at Kickstarter, I've got three non-game things in here. One of them was a tiny little keychain multi-tool that unfortunately got delivered pretty late. And, and that was one where they weren't very communicative about things. That wasn't all expensive. It was 20 bucks or whatever. Um, but but it was pretty late. And that was a little disappointing. I Back in 2016, I ordered uh, a couple of the chips. The CHIP the was, was the acronym for something. And I don't remember what it was. Essentially, it was a low rent Raspberry Pi. And so it was the they build it as the world's first $9 computer. And so it was barely more than the circuit board with the little peripheral plugs on it. And, and I got a couple of those with one of the little handheld computer versions. And then the other one, Jim, you may have seen us talk about this in the forums a while back. I did order the mixtape, which was the MP3 player that looks like a cassette tape. And so there's some, some 80s nostalgia to the form factor there. But it was, it was a full MP3 player with the SD card in there. And it was shaped like a cassette tape. And actually, theoretically, this thing was supposed to be able to be played in an old cassette player. That you could put it in there, hit go for one of your mp3 playlists put it in hit play on your cassette player and it would play the mp3 playlist through your cassette player which seemed kind of cool at the time and ended up to be kind of a bust because i'm not even sure where our cassette players are around the house anymore at this point so uh, those were the couple that i had back Just out of curiosity, Ian, how much are you currently in the tank for, for some sort of, and, and look, if, if the lady of the house is listening, then don't admit it too loudly, but <laughs> how much are you currently in the tank for, for P500s or pre-orders or crowdfunding or whatever for, for any products out there right now? 20 items. Okay. 20, 20 items. Wow. 20 items. All, all, uh, board games, war games, um, eight P500s. Okay. Uh, six pre-orders, six Kickstarter Kickstarters. Um, my oldest is from October 2019 when okay. I ordered it. It's a P500 that's sitting out there. Um, it's not Mystery Wizard, is one it? I added. Uh, don't even start. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah, don't, don't get me started on P500s. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's, a, there's a board game geek list. There's actually a useful board game geek list, which is the every month they do the update for the P500s. Okay. Yes. And I'm just looking at the game that's been there for 77 months. Jeez. So, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Or we'll talk about, yeah, you know, 20, 20 items. I, and that's down. I've tried to really um, work with the uh, the bank <laughs> to, to keep it keep it somewhat reasonable. But I think that also reflects just my change in philosophy. I mean, especially in, in, in the middle of the pandemic, it was like, oh, my God, you know, I I, I can't go to a store to buy a game. I, I just always see this, you know, just that, that want, want, want. I think at one time I had over, you know, approaching 40 items on my uh, on my pre-order list and and it's been weaned down um but i'll just say that you know my personal approach has been now to be very very um i try to be very select on what i put on yeah. um i changed my i changed my strategies and sometimes i'll i'll see a game and i'll back it at the one dollar level um so that way i'm in as a backer and then later if i want to you know, because inevitably they're going to come out and say, okay, we're ready to go. And, and if anybody, you know, if you are a backer and you want to increase your pledge, you can do it. And then, then that's when I have to yeah. make a decision. Um, but it's things like that where I've changed over the years because um, the crowdfunding model is here. It's here to stay. We got to make it work somehow uh, for all its warts and goodness. Uh, but you got to keep yourself under control too. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally get that. I, it's, I, I think the idea of getting in at the $1 pledge just so that you're in and then have the ability to be more flexible with the pledge later. I think that's, that's a smart move. If you're still kind of on the fence about something or you're sort of waiting to see how the campaign is going to be managed. Um, but there's nothing wrong with just throwing a dollar at a campaign that you like and believe in, even if you're not really going to get anything back from it, just to sort of help a company get over the hump or help, you know, if you've got a friend who's running one out there and you could throw them a buck just to help them get, get their momentum going. I, I don't think that's a bad thing either. So Jim, what about you? What's, what's currently hanging out there for you? 
I, I'm not a gamer. Uh, I, Ian has <laughs> proved that. I am clearly not a gamer. That uh, my numbers aren't anywhere near that big. I'm about a dozen. So, um, and and mine do, however, go back one year earlier than that. And it is indeed Commands and Colors, um, uh, the Grand Battles, which yeah. we have been waiting for for a very, very long time. And is indeed, according to your joke, sitting behind Mystery Wizard. <laughs> but that's... That's a whole nother thing. No, I, I think this is a fascinating discussion because I would commend to anyone who wants to do a really deep dive in this topic. And I've talked about this before, but check it out. Harold on Games, Harold Buchanan, obviously a friend of the Armchair Dragoons, and we're a friend of his, uh, has a really lovely set of uh, podcast interviews with Luminaries in Gaming. And he interviews Gene from GMT Games. And it's mm -hmm. a two-part interview that is so if you want to get dirty on this and understand why just listen to this and you'll become smarter because gene has lived it right gene lived the collapse of the near collapse of gmt games he almost yeah. lost his company you know we think of gmt games as this leviathan just you know making its way uh, you know across the sea swallowing up everything in its way it what it almost went bankrupt and he talks about why they do what they do and how they make the choices that they do um and i respect all of that but it is fascinating to me to watch how the dynamic of this has changed from something Ian was talking about. You know, I remember the first couple of Kickstarters we putzed around with, it seemed like, I, I don't know, the guy in the corner going, hey, hey, I got a really good idea. I need like six guys to go in with me and we can figure out this cool thing, you know? And it was experimental. I think we understood it was inherently risky. Yeah. You know, we knew that maybe this was a shoestring or, you know, maybe it would something cool would happen. And, and then they blew up. You know, then we saw so many of these make a whole lot of money and they have now converted again as he said into something radically different you know now it's a company wants to get money in the bank before it prints something now you say that's the same thing and i say no it isn't no it isn't um the ex there if you look through even those that i going back to your question what have you invested in as i'm looking through this most of these aren't the biggest risks in the world yeah <laughs> you know i'm like you know these are companies that could have figured it out without kickstarter but they used the vehicle to make sure that they were lowering their risk and who, who's to blame them yeah i don't yeah. i certainly don't but it's not the the edgy wing in a prayer type thing that it was at the beginning and has instead become this you know basically way of trying to lower your risks and it's it is therefore very, very strange to me now that we have in this new marketplace, in this new environment, more risks presenting themselves that even they couldn't have anticipated that are causing through the shipping stuff and all these other sort of problems. Yeah. So I, no, I uh, think Kickstarter, you know, to your point of sort of this fringe Wild West, wow, this is kind of neat. What can we do with this sort of mentality? Uh, we talked about this. I, I think it was actually the, the three of us talking about this a while, you know, some number of years ago when when we were talking about the intellectual property and legal protections around games and and the genesis of the conversation was that insurgent Catan game that the guys at Naval Postgrad tried to patent. Oh, right, and, right, right sure. and the idea that gaming is sort of this cool, fun, hip way to to do things was being taken over by these legalistic forces that were sort of boxing lots of things in and carving the industry into ever tighter niches and in the comparison from 40 years before that was sort of how rock and roll went from this really cool edgy kind of young hip thing to the industry got a hold of it and started you know the marketing machine took over and started slicing and dicing and packaging into niches and there became this specific production cue that you followed to get things out the door and it almost feels like kickstarter is sort of turned into that like there's there's the process by which you run a successful kickstarter campaign whereas before it used to be, hey, I got this cool idea. Who wants to help me fund it? And and it was barely one step above GoFundMe begging for money. And now it's become so much more of this assembly line that some of the vibe I think has been lost. I, I think you're right about that. So, for good or for ill. Yeah. Um, no. And 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 look, I I'm not. It's weird. I hope nobody thinks I'm judging it. I'm more observing it. Yeah. Because yeah. because now it and you know obviously we're a niche. Hobby gaming is a niche, but hobby gaming is much bigger than we are. The assumption is you're going to get into, if you are a hobby game, you're getting on this Kickstarter thing, you know, and I, I don't care, you know, I don't care if you're a 10,000, 15,000 or a million dollar game. I mean, 
wrap your heads around the fact just for a second gay war gamers i love you you know how much i love but i'm just curious i, I really do need to look this up the um i you know, i'm trying to find how many I, I, there's not really a good list of how many million dollar game kickstarters there are but they're out there yeah the, there was there was an interesting article about six months ago it was it was the later part of last year and i think it was at polygon but i don't remember that for sure talking about how to an extent kickstarters become this self-licking ice cream cone right <laughs> you're, you're running these hugely successful campaigns to get games in people's hands but it's sort of people jumping on the hype train because everybody else is on the hype train and you get the game you wow it's a cool game and you play it two or three times and it goes on the shelf and then the next million dollar game is coming down the pike and the example they used is hey do you remember any of these games and they listed like six games on there and quite frankly i don't remember any of them and every one of them made over a million dollars on kickstarter and and you're looking at that going holy crap like million you wouldn't think a million dollar crowdfunding campaign would be that disposable but that was sort of the point they were making is that they kind of are no and it's if you're going to be in the game space if you're going to be in the hobby game space the assumption is you're going to know how to run a good Kickstarter yeah. or hire somebody that does. Right. Or, or you, that's probably you that's expected to do it. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're going to need to do it that way because most of these, and even shoot. And I went on a, just a tear on, on a different podcast. I'm sorry, but I, I went on an absolute tear and I don't know how many of you that are in this space, this working space know this, but I lost my mind when Hasbro set up its own crowdfunding platform for hero quest reboot. Yeah. Yeah. And Amen. I was incensed. <laughs> I this is a billion dollar corporation. This is a billion dollar corporation and you're coming out there and I said at the time my problem is I got a lot of friends that are in this march. Look, here's a secret guys. Let's get over it. War gamers play role playing games. Role playing gamers play war games. There's this cross pollination. It's okay. It's all right. We can be good together. We were once the same thing. We talk about this all the time. You took this giant Kickstarter and parked it in the middle of a space where you got all these other smaller companies trying to compete and went, ha, ha, ha. we have a giant box full of plastic crap. Buy the plastic crap you remember from your childhood. Ignore the 50, 60, 70 other games struggling to find a market. And you didn't do it using your billions of dollars in Hasbro capital. You felt the name to, to, you felt the need to crowdfund it. And I got news for you. Even hobby gamers, as we get gray and old and have resources, it's, to go into Ian's point, you kind of got to back off a little bit. You know, sooner or later, you get off the train a little bit. You try to say, okay, I'm going to do this one, not that one. You sucked all that out of the room. Yeah. That I do criticize and I think is despicable because it, 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 if indeed it is more corporate now and that's more accepted and it's a process, fine. But the idea that a Hasbro now sees the potential of this and exploits it to the exclusion of other games in that same space was heartbreaking to me. And I, I just so happens I have a good friend who launched an indie role-playing game on the same day oh, man. That, that Hero Quest? It, you know, he does $20 books. For what it's worth, I have fiction, full disclosure, I have fiction that appears in one of them. My picture appears in art in one of them. Um, you know, my, my image appears doing nefarious things. Uh, you know, here, here's this little bitty indie game that's going to sell. The most expensive pledge was $20. Yeah. And he was being called upon to compete with Hero Quest. You know, so. There, there are market distortions that have come from the insane success of this form, but I don't think anybody that I've ever heard is going to tell you it's going away anytime soon. Yeah. As the Dragoons proudly charge into their eighth season of Mentioned in Dispatches, we'd like to pause and thank those Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Treb Curry, Staggerwing, Patrick Mullen, Mike Quigley, Hethwell Wargames, Patrick Garrity, Robert, Kevin Bertram, and Joseph Knoll for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and enabling us to bring you the best wargaming content we can. You too can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. I was just looking over my pledges right now and I've got... <clears throat> 
So to be clear, I don't have any pre-orders or P500s directly with any companies right now. I do have a Paper War subscription with Compass that's going to kick off with issue 101. So the next one, they're shipping 100 right now. So with the next one, I've got a four issue run coming. Three of the four games sounded pretty cool. I've wanted to do a game magazine subscription for a while. My, my subscription of Battles didn't really count because I was writing for Battles at the time. So I, I got the subscription as a part of writing for them. I, I don't have any real pre-orders directly with any companies. Everything I've got is through Kickstarter. And that's that's where I do, in fact, like that Compass is, is now using Kickstarter as a last minute. Let's get a couple more pre-orders in the door because I've, I've used that a couple of times from Compass at this point. So I, I do appreciate them doing that, that I don't have to set up yet another account somewhere to, to do something. Right now, I've got one, two, three, four, five that have completed their funding and we're just waiting for them to ship. One of them just closed last week. So I'm, I'm not in a hurry expecting that one to show up anytime soon. Uh, most of these delivery dates are out there a ways. One of them was supposed to deliver last month, but they've been pretty clear in the correspondence as to why things, uh, are delayed in shipping and it's because their manufacturer for one of the parts in the game kept screwing up and they've shown you the pictures of this is what it's supposed to look like this was the prototype we approved from the factory this is what they sent us and and they're not the same <laughs> so so i've got five waiting to ship at this point waiting waiting to get to me and i've got one that's still currently collecting money <laughs> it, Ian's probably seen these before. I know Jim has because we've talked about them in the past. I had told myself that the next time one came around, if I had the money, I was jumping on it. I jumped on the most recent Bones campaign from Reaper Minis. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm figuring I've got the core pledge set and I, I threw in the extra money to get one of the expansions. I will probably end up throwing the money in to get two of the three expansions that are out there. I don't think I can afford all three because that's basically going to double my pledge, which is kind of ridiculous. But I'm I'm working under the assumption that once that thing shows up, and quite frankly, the estimated delivery is April of 2024, so it's not going to get here in a hurry. By the time that thing shows up, I am never going to need to buy another miniature for tabletop adventure gaming ever again. It's uh, just... It, I don't know if you guys have seen where the campaign is at the moment. I, I added it up the other day and they've added some stretch goals since I added it up the other day. I think it's at like 116 figures right now. Just the base campaign, not any of the expansions, which again, I'm going to get one of those also. Just the base campaign, I think, is up to like 116 figures at the moment, which is insane. Uh, <laughs> but but as crazy as those Reaper Kickstarters get, I, I had to jump on one of them at some point in my life. and And I did. So, so that's what I've got out there right now. Um, most of the other things are some role-playing games. I did support the uh, tabletop pocket edition of Brandywine just to go ahead and help somebody out there. But the rest of this stuff is mostly role-playing things. You brought up a really good point about the, you know, the the different role Kickstarters playing these days. And I've been trying to you know come up with my own, you know, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to approach it? Um, the, the fact that like... Compass is using Kickstarter has your last minute order piece. I mean, I'm I'm torn because on one hand, stuff people like the P500 or other companies they use that pre-order system to gauge interest and 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 help determine how they're going to spend their resources mm -hmm. uh, to put something forward. So there's there's definitely um, goodness in going in early um, to say, hey, I'm interested, and, and that helps it move up in the production queue supposedly, um, you know, and get prior already get an artist that sort of stuff so there's there's definitely goodness going with the pre-order side of it but then yeah you can you can save yourself later in the kickstarter but do you just wait for it to come out in the kickstarter and then never back it earlier i mean the, the companies are presenting us with a dilemma that is probably the one part of this whole process that really irritates me is i i express the interest i i understand a p500 is a pledge a pre-order is 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 a statement of of interest it's not a uh you know it, even from the company it's not a commitment that they're ever going to make it you're, they're just it's the interest you're sh showing interest 
how much do you show interest? Kickstarter is different because you actually put money down. Um, that's a whole different type of interest. Um, I put I put my money down, so I really really expect this coming out on the other end. But the whole thing is just just how the P, the pre order system, the P five hundred works, the dynamics of that. I'm just even after all these years, I'm still not totally comfortable with the process and the whole idea of the cult of the new and the uh, fear of missing out. I mean, I was looking you. Know, Jim, you've got yours, one that's been sitting there for since 2018. I've got one there since 2019. Um, some of those, I don't know if they're, I mean, they made the cut, but are they ever going to make it out of the artwork department? Um, I, to, to GMT's credit, they don't cancel a lot, um, but some of those games sit out there for a long, 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 long time. And I sometimes have to question myself, after five years, am I still really interested in that piece? Yeah. No, I, and, 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 and that's, to me, that's the problem. And I mean, that... That is the issue with, and I, look, I completely get it. I mean, one of my greatest disappointments in Kickstarter in terms of not getting there was a P500. Uh, GMT had taken over the f- Fading Glory, the, the 20 system that uh, came away from a, a other must, much missed company that now apparently specializes in dumb zombie games. <laughs> but uh, I may have, re- I may, however, there have repeated myself. But the, you know, once they, they were going to do this uh, game that became the first bu- box set from GMT was called Fading Glory. It was Napoleonic, go figure. And it was lovely. It was great. And then they did, they tried to do Rising Glory, uh, which was another collection, and it just never got the P500 backers. You know, it just was never there. I get that. GMT said, all right, we're not going to break even. We're not going to make money on that. And I think that's a useful tool. Yes, you thought it was interesting. Yes, you thought you could sell it. Yes, you had a game guy who wanted to try to pitch it, but it wasn't going to go anywhere. What troubles me is, I, and I think GMT is answerable for this, although I don't know what is to be done about it, is when you have so many games that are wildly over 500 and you can't seem to get many of them there. It's like, now wait a minute, now wait a minute. I was in, I committed, and now you're going to have me hang why? And I'm sure there's a million reasons why. But the one question that I would put to Gene is, is it too big for you now? Are you taking in too much? And I'll go even further you get your GMT thing and you know, we're, we're, it's porn. It is pure porn of the new, you know, we get our flyer or we get our email through the MailChimp from GMT games. We go, oh, what did they put on 500 now? And you're absolutely right. And I used to follow this religiously, Ian, that that uh, board game geek list where they would update the P500 every month. What's the story? How long has it been there? What's going on? What's the latest? And finally, I said, wait a minute. I'm the customer here. I'm the buyer. And you you are sitting on this game for years that I've expressed, I will give you money. And all these other people will give you money. And you haven't said why it's not out. You don't explain it. You usually don't. You don't tell us why it's not coming out. And yet you're putting six new titles on. Do you have the bandwidth to manage this? And I don't know the answer to this, especially when I see a game like Compass able to meet those sorts of volumes in an some ways imperfect but they still do it and so so i i that's the one thing i do wonder about um i I think there's there are a variety of reasons why things come off of why things may come off of pre-order in some cases they're not hitting the numbers and there's no reasonable path for them in some cases the designer may be unhappy with how the company is getting or not getting the game out the door or promoting the pre-order or working towards the pre-order in some cases they may lose a key player in the process if you know an artist drops out of the project or they can't find a good developer to help get the game over the finish line so there, there are a lot of reasons why you could consider conceivably lose momentum on getting things done, which is unfortunate. But I think you're right that a project that the customers did what you asked them to do, right? Pledge your money towards this and we will make it. You've now pledged your money towards it. All right, company, hold up your end of the bargain. Why aren't you making this? And and I don't, I don't know if the company hasn't taken your money, then not making the game is, is still a valid course of action. But I think not explaining why the game isn't made to your point jim not giving you any update or understanding as to why the company's not doing what they implicitly said they would do it does feel like they're shortchanging the customers i i I don't see any other way to put that and and so i think you're right to be upset I, i don't know that i don't know that it's 
fair for the, the company to sit on that information or to not explain that decision if the customers have done what they were asked to do, which was essentially vote with their wallets. And, and I think you've done that several times over at this point. So it gets back to communications. Mm-hmm. Um, I want the game that's sitting on my, you know, the, the longest on my list is uh, the coin uh, China's war. Okay. Um, and I, one of my, you know, Sunday blogs, my Sunday summaries, I, I made a comment that, you know, it's been two years, you know, when is this ever going to happen? And I was very, very pleased and very happy that uh, Brian Train, the designer, uh, responded and and he explained what was going on. And and there's, there's no nobody to blame. Um, it's just, you know, it's called life. Um, but it was very, it was nice to hear that. And, and you know, do, is that, do I have, do I have, is that a demand that I always have to hear it? I, I guess I, I, it's nice to hear it. And that's maybe it the experience so much more enjoyable and and now i sit there and, and you know it, it, it's it's been two years it's okay i i think brian's going to deliver a great game yeah and i'm going to wait um but i'm waiting now i'm waiting because i i'm i'm hearing i'm hearing good things um I'm, somebody's talking to me um, when they, it, it comes back to my original point, when they don't talk, um, that is, that is when it's the worst. When, when you're just sitting there, there's another company out there. I love, I love them to death. I, I love, I love their games and stuff, but they're the worst communicators. And, and then frankly, I've stopped backing them in anything because it's just, yeah, just get me through what you've got. Let me have it. And because you don't want to talk to me, I'm not going to talk to you. We're, we're not going to make you name the company. But uh, you want to give their initials, you're what? No, I'm kidding. So. No, no. That's, <laughs> I love them. Like, but yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We're trying to keep this close to an hour. So we're going to run out of time here at some point. Now, I know that, that Jim's going to come through the computer and throat punch me if I don't give him an opportunity to get on his soapbox here in a minute. But I will say that I have been remarkably lucky in that every Kickstarter or P500 or pre-order that I've ever backed has in fact delivered. In some cases, they were late. In one case, they were really, really late. There was a role-playing project that I backed from, from a couple of guys in France that it, it's a 5e compatible fantasy compendium and quite frankly it is in no way remotely connected to anything i'm ever going to play it was gorgeous it was an excellent campaign those guys ran it it was a beautiful book and i i jumped on it as much for the graphic design as i did for the content i am thrilled that i did i've been over the moon happy with being able to sit down and read the content right for for nerds like us from generation x that grew up with these things and it's you know we grew up with role-playing from its infancy to to be able to have these fantasy social studies books of lands that do not exist are still a great lot of fun to read and and still enjoy that. And so I've been very happy with the product now that it was received, but it took over a year to get to us because it was stuck on a dock in China and these guys just couldn't afford to move it off the dock. And it got to the point at at one point they actually considered pulping it rather than continuing to pay the storage for it to sit on the dock just because it, it was costing them a ton to sit there. They finally got it out to folks. It got to us almost a year late but you know we sort of understood what was going on and and they were very and to your point they were very communicative about what was happening it did finally get here that said let's contrast that with one that still hadn't got here jim take the wheel i i it's funny i don't is it still there? Do they keep it up on Kickstarter? They really should. For, for what it's worth, it's not stuck behind Mystery Wizard. No, 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 it's not. Although, in truth, we know exactly as much about where um, the Grand Battles for Chain of Com- or uh, Chain of Command for Commands and Colors Napoleonics is as yeah. we do about where the reboot of Upfront is. You know, that's it's. I'm just seriously curious. Nope, they've apparently taken it. Oh, there it is. No, there it is. It's still I, sitting in Kickstarter. It is still right? on there. Uh, I, I again name, because I think he deserves to be named for time immemorial, uh, Rick Falch, uh, 2,407 2, backers, pledged $339,848 to bring this uh, project to life. Rick Falch, his last update on this project was April of 2015. Uh, I doubt I need tell anybody that listens to this really about this story, because you probably know it already, but just if you don't know the story you probably don't know what up front is it was the brilliant attempt by avalon hill to create squad leader in a card game um it is a legend- card game not a collectible card game oh no 
no, school, absolutely everything's not. in one box. Yeah, open the box, couple decks of cards, a big old thick set of rules, and scenarios that look like they just like the guards are going to counterattack. You know, just the same. But create that World War II Normandy East Front experience in a, you know, Panzer Leader, Panzer Blitz in a card game, as you say, not quite. Um, still well regarded, still played today, very avidly, especially on Vassal, also on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, and they were going to recreate it, which was great because it had fallen out of print a million years ago. Uh, my two copies were very well worn and it was very exciting. What is more? What is more? And, and this is the part that I think will always, always bother me. Uh, the One of the pledge levels was the fact that you could spend a little extra money. It wasn't actually that much, but it was more. And get the get your the person of your choice drawn as a character and put in have his name put in as a soldier on a card yeah. and uh, I was going to do that for my father uh, who served in World War II and I thought that would be a really cool gift to give him I was going to take the card out of the deck frame it all that other stuff well as is as now history will record Rick Falch uh, first of all it seems and it seems pretty clear didn't a hundred percent own the rights to the game um, that he was sued by another individual who claimed he didn't own the rights to upfront extensive litigation resulted and the net was it seems he spent every penny that he got from the kickstarter pledge on that litigation and what he didn't spend on that he stole and took away and ran away to errors to australia literally with yeah, yeah. and has never been heard from since um leaving myself and any number of others uh, I, I I do love this very very much. The um, there is a quote on the Kickstarter page from about a month ago. I remember seeing this. <laughs> the quote is: "The internet never forgets. His yeah. kids will learn of this. His great grandkids too. In fact, all his relatives know already, and his friends will eventually find out. The internet never forgets." I, I liked the comment about "Happy 100 months late, everyone." Yeah, yeah. The uh, so yeah, it was it was uh, in fact to you know be delivered many years ago and the and it obviously has never been and never will be so it was a cautionary note to me you would think it would have gotten me off it entirely but it is interesting going back to one of the centers of our conversation today it was one of those things that made me feel more comfortable strangely enough with those that seem more like they're trying to build up a little cash before they print it rather than those that were trying to use this cash to build something on spec. Yeah. Yeah. No, th there was at least one company out there that said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> they, they admitted, uh, probably unintentionally in their Kickstarter campaign. This was a while ago. This was probably like 2013. So, you know, like nine years ago at this point where they, they had an idea for a game and they were looking for the Kickstarter funding to create the company to publish the game. <laughs> it's yes. like, you guys kind of did this backwards, right? You're supposed to have the company and then get the game out the door. So that, that, that was kind of funny. Got a chuckle out of that one. But that's also where Kickstarter has grown up. Oh yes, absolutely. I think I think you see Kickstarter itself has has learned a lot more about risk. I I would love to say that we'll never see another upfront or another see one of those other companies. I I think we will, but it's going to be a lot harder for it to get through the process because Kickstarter itself has become more um, aware and and more savvy, more careful. <laughs> Um, because they've had to also I mean, they, 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 they're trying to they have a brand reputation to protect also yeah. um, and the tough lessons for them tough lessons for a lot of us but it's going to get better um, it's never going to be perfect but it's going to get better yeah yeah I gotta believe maybe not I, I don't think upfront was ever created with the intent of trying to scam people out of money I think they intended to produce a game and and it got too far along down the wrong rabbit hole for them to ever dig themselves out and and Jim to your point the dude said, screw it, I'm out, and hopped on a plane to Australia and, and has been tootling around Australia doing not printing up front ever since. <laughs> Um, and it's it's almost stalkerish to see some of the comments on the campaign where people are like, oh, hey, look, he's reviewing wine with our Kickstarter money. Um, I, look, the Kickstarter money was gone six years ago. You know, that, that's not your Kickstarter money. He's still living off of at this point. Um, that said, the, the D20 Entertainment guys... Ken Whitman's company, I, I think those guys were borderline scam artists in the way they ran some of their Kickstarters, where I, one of the cutesy little things they did I thought was actually kind of a, a clever idea. Jim, you made fun of Verson's bullet dice. These guys did pencil dice. 
right? The the classic six-sided pencil, you number those things with some different dice, you can just sort of roll a pencil across the table. And in the meantime, you're using the pencil for record keeping on your character sheets. And they had pencil dice for, you know, just regular 1D6s or for alignments or for the weather or whatever you used to slap on six-sided dice. They slapped on six-sided pencils and they had this campaign out there. And, and every time you hit the update, oh, we think we've got a contract for a manufacturer. Why didn't you figure out who your manufacturer was going to be before you started the campaign? Like you knew you had to manufacture pencils at some point. How hard was this to know that that had to happen? Oh, but and so many things about the, the, the Ken Whitman campaigns just came across as that's an excuse for you to keep people's money. And you knew that going in. I've heard Tom Vassell talk about this and I, and I respect what he has to say. He said he has people that come up to him all the time that say, I want to be a game publisher. <laughs> and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why do you want to be a game publisher? And they say, well, I, I got this great game and I got this great game and I got this great game and I want to put them out. He says, wait a minute. So you're a game designer. Yeah. And they say, yeah, but nobody wants my games. And he responds, do your game suck? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That may mean you're a bad game designer. <laughs> or, or and putting it more positively, and I've always respected it, him for this, do you take feedback about your game? Yeah. Do you listen to people who have actually published a game and, and think about what they're telling you and maybe improve it? Because a lot of people think they want to be publishers because they think it gives them creative control to do their own games. And he says it regularly, don't do both. Yeah. You can, but you don't want to. They're completely different skill sets. And yeah. if I'm being kind to the man who stole all this money from upfront, the kind way of interpreting it, he got up over his skis, especially in the area of intellectual property. Yeah. He did not realize what a gutter fight intellectual property can be. That if, if you go out there and you've got an original IP or an original concept, you might get away with it. But as we've discussed before, we've had people litigate about game mechanics. Yeah. You know, you don't know that card cannot be called tapped. That card is not tapped. It is spent. Yeah. It is empowered. <laughs> right. It's empowered or it's unpowered or it's depowered. Yeah. Right. Because Wizards of the Coast owns the concept of tapped. Yeah. You know, they he they he didn't realize the 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 rat fight that was intellectual property. And so he gets over his keys. And it's the same thing with a lot of these people that come up with an idea and they don't realize who's going to make this. What sort of quality control things do I have to learn? How do I deal with artists? How do I sign contracts? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I manage shipping? How do I manage fulfillment? And I, I've heard I've heard one game publisher that I can think of say, we put in our Kickstarter that everybody who backed before a certain point would get free shipping. What we didn't realize is we had guaranteed we wouldn't make a profit. Yeah, yeah. By the well, time the spreadsheet got run, we realized we were breaking even and barely making nickel one. Yeah. As a dude who's self-published his own designs, uh, I, I can tell you, you do not want to be in the game publishing business. Uh, something people don't realize is that if you are in the game publishing business you are actually in the shipping business yep you don't think you are trust me you are mm -hmm. this is experience speaking and again i i have absolutely no problem with admitting that i wasn't very good at it and there's a reason i don't do it anymore and there's a reason why if going forward any of my designs are going to see print at all it is unlikely to be from any company that i own um it's it's going to be my designs with somebody else you know printing them and, and me campaigning like hell to get people to pay attention to them, but I'm shopping them to somebody else. I'm, I'm not going to do them myself. Uh, I, I, at this point, I'm not close enough on getting any of those designs rebooted to where it would matter, but but that's that's not a world I want to live in anymore at this point. Even if I think I would be better at it from the lessons I learned last time around, one of the lessons I learned is I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so... Whether it's running my own Kickstarter or, you know, making arrangements with printing shops or anything, like, I don't want to do that. There's other stuff I'd rather, I'd rather be running a website, which I do. And I enjoy that far more than I did running a publishing company. Um, as cool as it sounds to say, yeah, I'm in the game publishing, but it, it's, it's a pain. It, if it's not something, if it's not the grind you love, it will eat you to death. And I got no interest in that anymore. So uh, I'm off that train. So. Ah. Ah. Ah.
Ah! Ian, you were about to jump in there. Is, 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 you know, is, is there a particular campaign out there that just completely tanked you and screwed you and you, you lost your shirt or you never got what you were supposed to be getting? So is there one out there you want to you, you want to point to? I never, I, I was just looking through my list. Um, th- I have never, every one of my campaigns has delivered. Yeah. Some of them have delivered very late. Yep. Um, there was a, a, a one game, a uh, war game that came in. I, I thought, I thought it was never going to deliver. Um, it was two and a half, almost three years. Um, and then sort of like one day after like no updates for like a year also it's like okay we're shipping it's like, <laughs> i don't even remember backing that um there was another there was an rpg there was an rpg out there that again it was like a three-year process um the it didn't fund for that much you know t- a couple tens of thousands um and then the the uh, designer up and moved to australia you know something about <laughs> australia and in campaign and nefarious game designer um but but he came back and 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 he got some a support network behind him and it eventually delivered and i'm happy i'm happy it's here um but that was one of the if there was those were the two that were that were the closest to coming out of it but i think the the lesson learned for me was um it, you have to when you look at it it's 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 a, it's an element of gambling it's an element of addiction yeah. um but it's also an element <laughs> of uh, self control uh, we we said <laughs> we said it i said you know you said it earlier it's like uh, i become a lot more savvy yeah. and i think what a lot of people don't do when you hear people upset and stuff it's easy to blame a publisher it's easy to blame a designer but many times i think a lot of the folks just need to look in the mirror and go did i really have to back my 40th kickstarter this month yeah well um just looking at my kickstarter record look at what it is realize it yeah yeah Looking at my Kickstarter record, I've actually backed a few more. The, the 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 number and frequency of things that I've been backing has definitely gone up over the last year and change. And 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 folks that have known me for a while and have been regular podcast listeners for a while uh, have no doubt in their mind that 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 is well correlated with a little bit of employment stability, and that's that's very understandable, I think, for many people. That said, part of what I've noticed in my Kickstarter backing over the last year and a half and the way some of that has changed is that I've been far more willing to take a flyer on a fairly low cost, low effort sort of Kickstarter. That's a small project from an indie guy or a new something. It's it's a $5 project, right? The max pledge is five bucks. The max pledge is nine bucks. Like that's the most you could pledge if you wanted to. And, and so I've noticed the single digit dollar pledges. Uh, I've got seven or eight of them and they're almost all within the last 18 to 20 months. And and in a few cases, there were some single dollar pledges that that wasn't the max. That was just me throwing a buck or two at somebody trying to get a campaign running. I, Bruce Hurd, who used to be the lead guy for the Mastara game world back at TSR way back when, and was a, a guest of honor at MastaraCon back in November when we, we held that. Uh, Bruce a fantastic dude. Bruce has his own line of stuff now that is the Kaladar game world. I threw a buck or two at Bruce to get access to some of the PDFs, not because I wanted the PDFs, because I wanted to help Bruce's campaign be successful. But I've got a couple of games in there. There's a Voyages game. There's a nine minute or nine dollar kingdom or something like that. These little small micro projects that I'm I'm totally fine throwing five bucks at. Help those guys get over the hump. Help them get some experience in the game design world and get a look at something neat and cool and different. The the Voyages game is a roll and write game with some pretty neat mechanics about the way you you make decisions once you've rolled your dice how you allocate them in the game mechanics and like like you everything that i have ordered through kickstarter has delivered one of them was almost a year or around a year late that was the one i spoke about earlier believe it or not i've actually had one kickstarter that delivered about three months early if, if you can imagine it the villages of valeria card game was promised for like november and it showed up in september that one showed up early I thought that was kind of cool. Those guys didn't get near enough credit for coming in ahead of schedule. 
One last quick question. Is there something out there that, that you have heard rumors of or heard people talk about or you've actually seen people kicking it around? Something you are wanting or hoping to finally see show up on pre-order or Kickstarter or some sort of crowdfunding availability such that you're able to jump on it and run with it? Um, Ian, is there one out there that, that you've seen people kick around that you would like to be able to get on board with and, and grab and go? I there's two. Um, one is um, I cannot wait for Compass to get the the, the new fleet series out. Okay, my name's not Rocky Mountain Navy for no reason. <laughs> I, I I have all the old fleet series. Do I really need a new one? Yes. Um, <laughs> That's the right. Uh, the other one is the other one is um, I. I Academy Games always keeps dangling out there the uh, next couple of versions uh, of uh, the Conflict of Heroes series. Please, please, please bring those to fruition in a timely manner. Um, those are the two. Uh, give me the fleet. Give me Conflict of Heroes. That's what I'm waiting for. Okay. Jim, let's let's assume up front's just not going to happen. I, I know, and I'm sorry. And you've already pledged LeGrand Battles, so I don't know that that one's really eligible for this question either. <laughs> something floating around out there that, that you're hoping to see pop up. You, you already got Melee and Wizard. You got the Fantasy Trip. Ogre has already been brought back. Car Wars has already been brought back. Um, so I think Steve Jackson has done all of his Steve Jackson things at this point. Is there something else out there that you would love to see show up on, on crowdfunding somewhere that you would love to get your hands on? I observe first with Steve Jackson that he's done a brilliant job of making all of us old people put our money where his mouth is, where our, put our money where our mouths are. Because he's had us buy all of his little pocket games. You can get most of his old, like, you know, Raid on Iran, One Page Bulge, all these other things. You you can get them in nice new editions. He, I, I have never spoken to him on this question. He and I have talked over the years a little bit. But I've never asked him the question, did you really think we wouldn't do it? <laughs> you know, were, were, you, were you bluffing? Or did you, did you really not know how much us people with money are like, yeah, I'll pay 20 bucks to get myself a minty copy of one page bulge in a nicer pack with a nicer map? So anyway, the number one of what I'm waiting for two years late still, is Blood on the Clock Tower. Okay. Uh, a brilliant design. It's a, a variation on Werewolf and okay. a number of others. It's a social deduction game with a lot of really lovely twists that I'm very excited, and, and, a, and a lovely production. I'm in pretty heavily on that one. We'll, we'll see. It's stuck in, it's currently stuck in China. We'll see. But to your question, which is a fair one, um, I would say I would very much like it. And I have no idea what the probability are. And I don't actually think that upfront is that unlikely. Is that impossible? Um, just, just given enough time and enough, and enough willingness, but we'll see. Just not from that guy. Right, right. Never from that guy. It'd have to be something else. I, it would, based on a recent experience playing it during uh, Saturday Night Fights, I think it was Wednesday Night Warfare, actually, it would be a redo letting Richard Borg bring Battle Cry up to spec. Okay. Um, nice figs, nice board, maybe some epic. Um, do Redo the rules, make them not quite as simple, but don't make them complicated, Richard. We love it as it is. But most importantly, build towards epic and build towards epic scenarios because he's got them all. He's yeah. designed dozens of them. I've seen him play them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a real opportunity there for the granddaddy of all the Commands and Colors games to get a nice production. People are very fond of this. And that's one of those games that crosses the hobbies. War gamers will play that game, yeah. but hobby gamers love it too. And, and re casual gamers love it too. Great opportunity. I think it would be a great production. I get it. Hasbro owns it and they don't care. But if that certainly been talked about certainly the market is there i think it would be a tremendous success just just don't do the figures in 13 millimeter huh right no 13 12 10 no i want some nice big chunky 28 millimeter plastic figs come on you can do it there you Give me go something nice and then uh, i can get 54 millimeter as a uh, as a uh, stretch goal yeah <laughs> The, the the hex boards that you would need for 54 millimeters is, is rather extreme. But if you've got a spare gymnasium to play in, you could always do that. Yeah, so, I suppose. I, for me, something I'm looking forward to seeing if they can be revived in any reasonable way. Uh, and, and Ardwolf and I had actually spoken about this at Buckeye Game Fest. The, the events that we had at Buckeye Game Fest that the Dragoons were running were a couple of sessions of Brian's Brief Border Wars. And we've got them on the calendar again for 
Origins. So if you're going to be joining us at Origins, Brief Border Wars is on offer. We know Brian's working on a Brief Border Wars 2. We know that Decision Games had a quad-ish game out there for some World War II battles. I would very much like to see someone revive the old SPI-style quad packs. Four games, one common rule set in a box, easy to learn, easy to pick up, run with these things. Not necessarily the SPI style rules brought back because Decision has done something similar to that with some of their folio games where they've tried to grab some of those older rule sets like the old mod quad sets, like the old uh, Civil War blue and gray quad rule sets and, and modernize the rules a little bit. I don't care if it's the same SPI era rules updated or not. What I want is that quad style packaging similar to what Brief Border Wars did, which is here's one common set of rules that fits on four pages. Here's, uh, you know, one exclusive rules folio with the scenarios for each of the four games in the box. Jim, you guys were playing the 30 Years War quad not that long ago on... Was it Saturday Night Fights or was it like Wednesday or Thursday that you guys were doing? Wednesday night. Yeah. So, so you've, and you've done other quads in the past. So I'm not, I'm not speaking out of turn for somebody that doesn't have an appreciation for quad games here. I, I would love to see a modern reincarnation of a good quad series comeback that, that again, gives you some low complexity, lightweight, but groggy games out of a common rule set that gives you four comparably scaled battles from the same conflict. Again, I'm not going to buy Civil War stuff, but there are plenty of people that will. Give us Civil War stuff. Give us some Napoleonic stuff. Give us World War II. Go to the PTO. Give us some modern ones. Give us some World War I quads. There's plenty of places out there that you could mine for some quad games. And, and I would love to see some of those things come back. And, and crowdfunding would give you the opportunity to determine which ones the market would be willing to support. And, and I think that's exactly what you want to use crowdfunding to do. So that that's a place I would like to see some some crowdfunding come back and 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 help determine where the market should go on those things. Um, even if those quad games end up being Civil War ones that I'm not going to buy, if the rest of the market is, great, go for it. Because now we've brought the concept back and, and we've got it back in circulation and, and who knows where it'll go from there. So, so that would be cool. Eastern Front Operational Battles from Compass. Yes. There is a quad series. Yes. Compass actually has done a little more with this than Decision Games even has, which is a little odd considering that Decision Games theoretically has the rights to a bunch of those old SPI quads. They have the Eastern Front Battles one. They have Brief Border Wars. Brian's working on Border Wars 2. Compass has enough to do this with. Uh, They've just got to actually do it. (laughs) So I'm I'm hoping that they do sometime soon. Yeah, this is where I'll pick on Compass. I mean, they offered this one up in February of 2021. The last catalog that came out, there was no date given. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't follow him weekly, but uh, I don't. So, I mean, if, if we see something in 20, I don't expect to see anything in 2022, 2023, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I hope I'm still interested when it finally arrives. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us to talk about some crowdfunding and P500 and pre-order and and, and what's out there in the marketplace and kind of our experiences with it. And I I think we've given our audience a good sense of the kinds of things that we care about and we're interested in and the stuff that bugged the crap out of us and the stuff we liked. And who knows, I hope some of the crowd has has sort of nodded along in agreement with some things and probably yelled violently at their headphones at something we said they didn't like. Uh, But most importantly, I hope you don't don't get soured on the idea of crowdfunding as a tool to help set the market on certain things, but also as an, a, an, an easy way for you to go support projects and designers that you care about and that you want to see be successful. Outside of actually buying the product once it's released, this is one of the easiest ways to help uh, determine the, the success of products that you might be interested in. And that's great. And that's that's cool. And, and folks should continue to do that as much as possible. And please don't let the occasional chucklehead that screws things up for uh for a campaign don't let those sour you on on all other forms of of crowdfunding to get to get some game projects launched here so um with that ian thanks for joining us jim thank you for uh for jumping in at the last minute especially here so we we appreciate you being able to be here mm. and audience look without you we don't have a pod well i mean we have a podcast without you we don't have much of a podcast and so we we definitely appreciate you being here listening and and one more episode of season eight of mission and dispatches and uh and then we're gonna take a break for the summer play a bunch of games come back in the fall and talk about it so thanks guys have a good night